This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. I'm said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro. This is episode 118, March 31st, 2019. And today we're going to talk about homesteading and heritage cooking with guest Jill Winger. So uh, I'm going to be joined by uh, author, homesteader, blogger, and creator of the Heritage Cooking Crash Course, uh, Jill Winger, and we're going to, and we're going to chat about her journey into homesteading, some of the things she's doing on her homestead, and we're going to get around to some heritage cooking talk. And uh, if you know anything about Jill, you know she just um, last week launched her Heritage Cooking Crash Course. And uh, she was giving away uh, each day. She was giving away a video of that crash course, and then for a week. And and uh, I'm telling you, it was really, really good, high quality stuff. So uh, I was glad to have her on to talk a little bit about that and some of the other things she's doing. So before we get into that, though, and uh, have our conversation with Jill, how about our homestead updates? What are we doing around here? Well, I finally got around to getting all the trees pruned before I started budding. I was getting kind of worried about that. We had some really really warm days uh, for uh, a couple weeks there it was in the 60s you know off and on it'd have days where it's colder and then we get in the 60s again so and i hadn't got around to pruning all the fruit trees yet i'd done some of them but i hadn't done them all so i I finally got around and got all those done Um, finally got over to help my uh, homesteading friends finish up their cattle panel greenhouse about they they live about an hour away and we built the um, a cattle panel greenhouse with the with the pallets cattle panels and, and you know made like a hoop house out of them it was coming out really nice we hadn't put the plastic on yet we had a few finishing touches due to it i finally got over there to uh help them finish that up and that thing came out just great i mean i was i was actually surprised at how good it turned out honestly it really came out nice um been planting even more tomatoes around here i've pretty much got most everything that i'm going to start early going in the greenhouse for me but i wanted to start some more to give away some maybe sell a few something like that Um, but you know i had last year i bought a whole bunch of uh, nursery pots brand new nursery pots one gallon nursery pots real super cheap um and uh, i thought well you know i have a bunch of them i could you know pot up a few and and let them get kind of big and uh maybe sell a few of them or even give a few away to some friends or whatever so I did get around and plant a bunch more tomatoes, and it's just been maintenance time, you know, as it's warming up a little bit, uh, spring's here, you know, uh, it's getting everything fixed back up, winters are hard on things, you know, and a lot of wood will rot, and things need painted, and you know, I had to replace a couple deck boards, I'm actually building another garden bed, and I'll be talking a lot more about that in the future, I'm sure, um, it's going to have a soil bottom, I mean, it's right on the ground, I'm not going to 
put a barrier or anything or I'm going to remove the sod and um, I'm actually going to fill it with uh, straw at the very bottom. I'm going to put some straw then sawdust and uh, wood chips in that bed. And I'm actually going to uh, inoculate that with um, wine cap mushroom spawn. So it's going to be a nice big area. And it's actually on the shady side of my house, on the north side of my house. And it's just wasted space. It's just space I haven't been able to do anything with. So I wanted to do something there that would be uh, beneficial, productive, you know, and eat up that space and uh, get something out of it, you know. And I thought, boy, that'd be the perfect place for a mushroom bed. I've actually talked about it probably for two years, but I finally started getting around to building the bed and um, and ordered the uh, the mushroom spawn. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting started on that and uh, just doing a bunch of other just general repair and maintenance around here. There's just a lot of stuff that needs fixed and painted and put together. And you know, like I said, winters are hard around here. And I also uh, just purchased another. A compost bin this one's made out of uh, uh, composite material it's really super thick and i have i have a uh, one that's not very good quality i don't really like it that much i mean it works it's fine it's a little flimsy but it does it does the trick but then i also have behind my garage i have like the pallet set up i've just squared off pallets and i've been filling that up with scrap stuff too i don't like that though it don't look very good where our uh, we have like a back alley that comes up behind our house and uh, behind my garage and i have it back there it just doesn't look very nice so i wanted to get something a little bit better and actually be able to put it in a place in my backyard uh real close to where my um, rabbit and quail pins are so i can take some of that waste and put in that uh, compost bin as well so got us a lot of plans going on around here and things we're doing so you know we're starting to get pumped up i mean you know it seemed like for the longest time i was just having i was having some trouble getting excited about the garden this spring and and getting things going but as soon as the warm weather hit and got to talking about it started reading a lot of posts from folks and stuff i started getting excited about it again so uh you know started getting the stuff growing and uh i'm getting excited i'm ready to i'm ready to get this year on and get to grow on some stuff and uh you know expanding this homestead even just a little bit more i think people always wonder how i can expand anymore since i want such a small lot but there is so many things in my mind. There are so many things I can still do. And I think about them all the time. It's just a matter of money and time and putting them together and getting them going. It's just kind of take on one or two things at a time, but there's actually a lot of things we can still do around here. And I've got it in my head to do it. And, uh, you'll get to hear about it in the future. <laughs> so with all that, let's, uh, let's jump into our main topic with, uh, with Jill Winger. If you don't know who Jill is, Jill is the founder of the Prairie Homestead. It's an online space that has over 1 million monthly visits uh, dedicated to helping people learn how to grow their own food and take a break from the rat race, regardless of where they live. And, uh, you know, I, I was early days of, of uh, you'll hear me mention this to Jill, actually, in the early days of my homesteading, I ended up on her site a lot. I was Googling things and searching for things, and I just kept getting, you know, everything I would click on would take me to her site because she had a, she had some information about it. So, you know, really, really good stuff. But her practical and authentic uh, style of teaching and storytelling has uh, won the hearts of over 500,000 homesteaders across social media who look to her for advice about things like uh, cooking from scratch meals, uh, tending chickens, making simple DIY products, or just growing their first garden. She has a lot of information like that. She's been featured in, in Urban Farm Magazine, Farm and Ranch Living Magazine, uh, Huff Post, and BuzzFeed, and is the author of the upcoming The Prairie Homestead Cookbook, which you'll hear us talk a little bit about. And uh, she resides on the Wyoming Prairie with her husband or three children. 
and uh, <laughs> more farm animals than she can count. So, like I said, you'll hear her, Wes mention her coming off of uh, her uh, Heritage Cooking uh, Crash Course launch, and we'll talk a little bit about her cookbook and all that. But with that, let's just jump right into it. Well, Jill, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Hey, I am so excited to be here. Thanks well, for having me. I'm, I'm really glad to have you on. Uh, now, I've been following you for uh, a long time, actually. <laughs> yeah, I remember I got into homesteading a few years ago, and I was looking for recipes and things to get started doing, and I kept ending up on your blog for some reason because you just had so much great <laughs> stuff, I guess. <laughs> That's, that's the goal. So go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, so I have been following you for a while, so I'm really excited having you on. And, uh, but I, I am curious, how did you really get going down this path? I and mean, what, what made Jill, uh, you know, the Prairie Homestead, uh, get into homesteading to begin with? So our journey into modern homesteading, I think, was similar to a lot of folks in that we didn't really start off at the beginning thinking that's what we would do. Um, you know, I never had visions of being a homesteader. I didn't even know what it was for the longest time. And I think the catalyst for us, we kind of came into it accidentally after we purchased our first home. So my husband, Christian, and I were pretty much newlyweds at that point. We had some horses. We knew we wanted to live in the country, but that was the extent. And after we purchased this property, the tumble-down old farmstead with some crumbling fences and outbuildings, it was almost as soon as we signed the papers on this house that I started getting these visions of, you know, how can we make the land be productive and how can we grow food and how can we help to recoup through this investment? We signed this big old mortgage. How can we help it be productive? And that was the seed that blossomed into homesteading down the road for us. Okay. So, so you had horses, but what, what, how did you get started and what things did you start doing in the beginning to, to kind of turn it into a homestead? So I guess the horses, I I should give them more credit than I do. They really started the whole thing because when horses come, horse manure, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And we just bought this house. We couldn't afford a tractor to move the manure and to spread the manure. And so we were literally stuck with this giant pile. And I was like, what are we going to do with this? And so, you know, the first thing that pops into mind is compost. And so I coerced Kristen, my husband, into building a compost pile, um, And I'm like, well, if I have compost, then I need to grow something with the compost. And that kind of led us into gardening. And then, of course, chickens came after, then goats, then cows, and then the rest is history. We're we're in deep now. Yeah, chain reaction. It just led to one thing after another, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Well, what was was kind of the bigger challenges on getting started? I mean, it sounded like it, I mean, the way you're describing it, it sounds like it just kind of came natural and smooth. But I would imagine there were some challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, plenty, yeah. uh, It's been, you know. I, I condensed that all into a sentence, but that was over the course of about eight years that that all happened. So it was a process. Um, I think at the beginning for us, the biggest issues, I think, and this is true for most folks, is time and money. You know, it costs mm-hmm. money to to buy the equipment, to buy the fence posts even, and to get the stuff you need to build the infrastructure. Even if it's a small infrastructure, it's, it's costly. Yeah. And then also, um, at that point in time, Kristen was working in town at a normal job, and I was working as a vet tech uh, about 40 hours a week, and that's a lot of time on the weekends. You know, you want to kind of get everything done on a Saturday, and there's just limitations to that. So those were definite challenges that we had to overcome, and we still have to overcome the time issue on occasion because there's always plenty of projects. But now you're, uh, as far as the homesteading thing goes, uh, you're full-time in it really right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So... We transitioned in about 2015 to um, my Christian came home and we started some family businesses or actually just kept 
family businesses growing. We've already started. So that gave us a lot more time freedom and gave us a lot more opportunity to focus on the homesteading and really build out um, our pins and our gardens and stuff the way we wanted. So that's Mm -hmm. been a huge blessing and kind of a shift for us. Yeah. The homesteading actually uh, led you down a path to another business, didn't it? It did. Yeah, again, also accidentally. Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about <laughs> that. Even... Yeah, what, what happened there? Yeah, so as we started this homesteading life, um, I was a young mom. I had our first child. I was out here far from civilization, didn't have a lot of friends. And everyone I did know was really getting tired of me talking about chickens and goats. Like, they were like, don't stop. <laughs> like, you're annoying us. <laughs> so I had to get it out of me. I had to talk, tell someone. And so I started this very humble journal online. Kind of blogging was a thing. So I was like, well, I'll start a blog. And I just really rambled, put up some kind of crummy pictures and rambled about our life. But it was this outlet for me to feel connected and to share a story. Um, little did I know that that would morph into something way bigger down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is we call it the Prairie Homestead. It, it started as a blog and now it's kind of its own business. But that helped me to find some purpose. It helped me spread the message of modern homesteading because I really believe in it as a lifestyle choice. I think it's a fabulous way to raise children and to reconnect with our roots. And so this journal turned into a business, which really turned into a mission for our family. So it's Mm. been quite the adventure. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. So, I mean, was that pretty successful right from the get-go, or did it take some time to establish that, or uh, how did that end up getting uh, as big as it is now? So just like a homestead, it just takes time. You know, I'm sure, you know, with with having a business, it just, or, you know, even having a podcast that's successful, it just takes time and consistency. And so it was really slow at the beginning. Um, And I think most people would have quit, but I didn't have a lot of other things to do. I mean, I had homesteading, but we're far from town. And um, at that point, driving to town was expensive with gas, you know, and so I was kind of stuck here. And so I just kept plugging away and, that ability to kind of put my head down and just keep doing it, even though it really wasn't super productive at the beginning, I think that was the magic, the secret sauce that yeah. kept us um, successful or got us to be successful down the road. Yeah. I talked to a lot of homesteaders, you know, it, it, you know, on social media and even here on the podcast. And, and a lot of them, you know, have ambitions of starting blogs. And, and a lot of them do already have small blogs and stuff. And, and um, you know, some of them are hoping maybe it'll get big and they can, you know, really get a message out there to a lot of people and maybe even make a little income from it. You know, you have any thoughts about that? I mean, yeah. you think that's a good avenue for homesteaders to kind of go down? It can be, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, the blogging world or just the online world in general has changed a lot the last, well, since I've been in it, about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so it's crowded and it's noisy, but that doesn't mean you can't come into the market and offer value. Yeah. I just think you need to be much more focused and aware of what you're trying to create and how you're trying to serve people from the beginning. Yeah. Um, back in the day, we had a little more leeway as far as I started with no clue, kind of bumbling along. Um, and it's a lot harder to get noticed bumbling these days because there's a lot of noise out there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, as a homesteader and, I, and, and, and just kind of in the spirit of homesteading, I think that blogging is a, is definitely an avenue that where you can, you know, pick up a little bit of a side income, even if it doesn't get as big as a blog like yours or some others out there. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it's not super difficult to, you know, be fairly consistent with it and, you know, pick up a little bit of extra cash. And, and if you do that in combination with a lot of other side hustles, so to speak, on your homestead, I mean, you can definitely uh, really contribute to, to the family income, I believe. Yeah. 
I agree, yeah. And sometimes these days, it seems, the blog is is a great hub, but a mm-hmm. lot of the platform building and income streams come from somewhere maybe like Google. Sorry, YouTube. YouTube, yeah, <laughs> okay. YouTube, yeah. or, you know, doing something like a podcast or something kind of on in the social media world, you know, use that mm-hmm. to get some notoriety and get some following, and then the blog's kind of an, almost like a afterthought. Yeah. Versus back in the day, blogs were kind of the main thing, and now it's like they're a little bit secondary, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you've even made that part of your business, though, as far as blogging was actually helping other people to start blogs, right? I did, yeah. For a while, we had a course. We called it Blogger Blueprint, and it's not available anymore, but I did help people get started. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none situations, which yeah. is why I let it let that one kind of be put on the shelf just because I'm like, I have to either become the blogging guru or I have to become the homestead guru and I can't do both. So <laughs> right, I have to right. pick one. But yeah, I really enjoy watching people, you know, start in the online world because it's been so fulfilling in, for us. So it's, it's a great avenue if you're willing to stick with it. Sure. Yeah. Well, you you've definitely got a lot of projects going on. You recently just just had one uh, just like last week that uh, I'd like to talk about a little bit because uh, I think it was pretty great. I watched a watched a lot of it, and uh, I w- just want you to talk about it a little bit. It was the Heritage Cooking Crash Course. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to that and a little bit about that? Yes, that was um, quite <laughs> the project, and we're still I'm still kind of recovering from that. It was an amazing lunch. Um, a lot of emails to answer, but um, it was all good, all good things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what? It, it's kind of crazy because it started with this idea of writing a cookbook. So I have a cookbook coming out uh, in April next month, mm-hmm. April second, and I don't know. I kind of am starting to think that this cookbook has really transformed our business, which seems backwards almost, but it, it really has in in the way that. The cookbook caused me to get more clear on who I was serving and what I was creating instead of just kind of doing a shotgun approach. I had to get yeah. very, very And then that kind of birthed this idea of the course. And now the course and the cookbook are feeding each other and creating this tribe of people who are really, really focused and intentional in what they want to do in the kitchen and on their homesteads. Mm-hmm. So it's created this kind of a movement. That was my goal, kind of, but I didn't even realize it would be to this extent. So it's been it's been good. And uh, what the co- the crash course is, in case someone's listening, they haven't seen it, is we're trying to get people back in the kitchen and focus on heritage cooking skills. You can call them homestead kitchen still skills, but they don't have to be done at a farm. Right. Um, but just these timeless things that we've really lost over the generations with the advent of industrialization. And man, people are loving it like i feel like there's a huge need and people are really craving that knowledge yeah i've i've often said you know that i think i feel like the skill of of getting in the kitchen and cooking is one of the most valuable homesteading skills you can develop i realized that early on you know i i started homesteading started growing my own food i wanted to get healthy Mm. you know i came out off of a cancer diagnosis and i was like man i want to eat i want to grow some healthy food i want to start eating better and we started harvesting all this food from our backyard and i'm bringing it in the kitchen and we had like this limited number of dishes that we really knew how to cook from scratch i mean it was just a couple two or three things here and there and i really started seeing the importance of learning how to prepare that food if i wanted to you know start enjoying this harvest you know and and i realized that that was something i needed to to develop and work on because it's just you know to me the growing came easy the preserving came easy Mm. all that wasn't difficult when i got it in the kitchen it's like okay now what do i do with it (laughs) exactly exactly and i feel like 
that's really what happens to a lot of homesteaders. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, we master the growing, we get the chicks and the eggs and the vegetables, and then we're like, uh-oh. Yeah. You know, I know how to do hamburger helper. And it really doesn't do justice to these <laughs> right. beautiful ingredients that we're producing, and that's a shame. So, yeah. yeah. And the lost skill, I, like, I think it's very viable, and I'm, I'm glad you're bringing it back for us and really helping us to, to learn more about that, for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, I've, I've found um, it's twofold. Part of it for us is the health aspect, like you mentioned, like eating better, eating whole foods, getting mm-hmm. rid of preservatives. And the other part is I feel like in our technological advanced society, it's nice to have buttons and gadgets and apps. But I feel like a lot of us are really missing this creation piece yeah, of yeah. working with our hands and getting, there's just a satisfaction that comes with that. And whether you get that satisfaction from working with wood or planting a carrot or in the kitchen, I just think we really need that as a society. Oh, I yeah. think it's really important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And definitely, you know, the health stuff is, is, is important. But, and, and, but I tell you what, there's just something about the taste of something, uh, cook mm-hmm. from scratch in a natural way that it's just different and and better and uh, you know i just uh, people don't even realize the difference you know in home cooked meals absolutely yeah and it has you know different nuances and you can tweak it according to your your taste and mm-hmm. i don't know it just has this not to get like woo but it has like a special energy to it when it's been prepared by hand versus out of the box just add oh, yeah. water completely I, not even the same experience i absolutely agree i absolutely agree well that's great i i think it's great what you're doing i i like i said watching the videos are really high quality stuff great stuff there and uh, i know it's going to be super successful for you i'm sure it already has you just launching it last week and looking forward to that cookbook coming out uh yeah tell us a little bit about that yeah so we're calling it the prairie Elephant cookbook um simple recipes for heritage cooking in any kitchen and it's different from the course in that the course is more of a deep dive into things like fermentation and sourdough and cooking mm-hmm. like really really getting you ready to do it and the cookbook is like our family recipes like literally i have a um advanced reader copy of the cookbook the publisher sent to me and i am cooking at it i still use it to cook out of um <laughs> when i can't remember what i add to a certain recipe like we really eat this stuff yeah. on a regular basis so um, if you're looking for the weeknight dinners and the bread recipes and the desserts, that's you know that's going to be in the cookbook. Yeah, yeah. And when is that coming out? You say next uh, in April. April second, yes. Oh, awesome! Yeah, looks great. Well, it sounds like it's um, it's something you're definitely passionate about, and you feel like it's super important for folks to learn. But I have a feeling your passions don't end there. Where what else are you working on these days, or having a plan for the future? Anything big? Yeah, always. I think Kristen <laughs> and I have a, uh, a problem with big dreaming. I mean, it's I a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so um, I think our, our non-blog project, you know, right now is we're building our, our herd of, of beef cattle, grass-fed mm. beef cattle. Um, we've always, I mean, we love the homesteading, but we've also loved kind of the ranching world and that Western lifestyle. And that's always been a dream of ours is to uh, ranch a little on the side or have some cattle. And so we've taken it beyond the milk cow we've had forever, and we've usually raised a steer or two, but now we have a substantial herd of Herefords, and we're starting to um, breed them. They're calving right now, actually. Um, And our goal is to take that direct to consumer at some point, whether that's online or locally, we're not sure yet, and to kind of take that next level of getting the good food onto people's plates. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you definitely have uh, dove into quite a few things. Uh, like I said, it went from horses, and now you're uh, just doing all kinds of stuff. But now, you, what other things were you, have you been doing on your homestead? I don't think we really got into that in the beginning there, but what other projects you got going on? You got a garden, you got horses, now you got uh, the cattle. Is there What other things are you doing? Yeah, so we kind of do, I, I guess, say the usual uh, realm of homestead projects. We have a big garden here. We do a raised bed setup. Um, you asked about <laughs> setbacks and failures earlier. Gardening has been a space of many failures for us. Yeah. It's like I can grow um, meat much easier than vegetables. <laughs> but um, after an, an incident a couple years ago where we kind of poisoned the soil, um, oh. not one of my shining moments, we, we put in raised beds, and that's been a good a good option for us. So we, we do those every year. Um, we have egg chickens. We usually do a couple batches of meat chickens. We raise uh, a couple steers for our own freezers, just do grass-fed, mm-hmm. and milk cow. I don't milk all the time. Um, sometimes we leave the calves on, and right now they're kind of dried up. But we do have milk cows that will know the milk is in season. And, yeah, lots of food production going on outside. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's uh, all contributed to your uh, your cooking from scratch uh, adventures because you know you, you brought you same like just like me you brought all this stuff in the house yes. and said okay now what are we gonna do with it? <laughs> exactly, especially the milk. Six gallons of milk coming in every two days. It's like oh my word, we've got to get really creative really fast. Yeah, what are, what are all the things you're doing with that? Um, so I'm not doing a ton right now. Um, I've honestly left the calves on the couch just to focus on this launch. Yeah. Um, but in the past, we've done a ton of yogurt. I love making like a gallon of yogurt at a time and um, do butter and mozzarella and ricotta and all sorts of soft cheeses and like cream cheeses are really easy. And then with the leftover whey, which is kind of a big surprise to folks when they mm-hmm. start making cheese products, you know, we use the whey to feed the chickens or hogs if we have them, um, use it to fertilize the garden, all kinds of good stuff. So. I really love the family milk cow. I feel like it's um, something that touches every part of the homestead in a really fun way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you've uh, you got plenty going on, and you've had plenty going on there. You've picked up, you've acquired a lot of skills uh, in a few years you've been doing this. Uh, and I, I'm really glad that you're encouraging others, you know, through your, your projects and the things you're doing and your blog and, 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 the, and you know, just some of the things you're doing there. But uh uh, I definitely want to point folks to your your course and your book as it comes out next month. But do you have anything you want to just leave with folks? Just advice for homesteading yeah. or, or what they you know maybe some pursuits or, or just getting into this lifestyle maybe? Absolutely, I think that the two most important traits you can have in homesteading, and and really this kind of goes into all areas of life, um, is resilience. Number one, that's the ability to get knocked down and come back up and keep mm. going. Cause I, you're going to have some failures in homesteading. You're going to oh, have stuff mess up and things die and gardens die and might poison your garden. Like, Oh, God, hopefully not, but you never know. Right. And you just can't let it stop you. Cause I see, I see a lot of folks getting um, discouraged and stopping when that happens. And it just makes me sad. You got to just keep going, shake yourself off. Um, and then the second trait is just this ability to learn and keep learning and teach yourself mm. kind of in that process. Yeah. And, you know, people ask how Christian and I, how'd you learn all these things? And I'm like, we checked out books in the library. The internet was my best friend. I took courses and watched videos and Googled. Yep. And it was just this process of trial and error. And I don't feel like 
really any of these skills are hard. It's just if you're willing to take the time to kind of decipher them and work through them. And then really anyone can do this. Yeah, we, we kind of live in a special time, too, when information is just so readily available. It's at our fingertips. You know, it, there was a time in the past where you had to almost work as an apprentice under someone to learn these things, you know. And we live in a time now yeah. where we, we have the ability. I mean, we can, you know, take courses online or even look at YouTube videos or, or you know, like you said, get books or whatever. And we can we can learn this stuff. And it's it's not this hard. And, you know, and, and it's a way for, you know, someone to kind of hold your hand through it without actually being there. And I think it's a great way to Absolutely. learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. The internet is really, uh, for all its downfalls, it's it's really done a lot for the modern homesteader. Yeah. There's there's a lot we can complain about with technology, but uh, I like being a modern homesteader because I like having that information yes. right there. And and you know, and, and like I said, there was a time when things weren't probably nearly as easy to to learn as they are nowadays. So I'm really happy for that exactly. as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's great stuff. Uh, would you take a couple minutes and just kind of uh, point uh, people to your blog and 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 anything else you want to tell them about? Absolutely. So the blog's go to the hub, and you'll find links to pretty much everything else I'm doing there. And it is theprairiehomestead.com, and you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook under the same name. If you want to go check out the cookbook directly, because we have a giant bonus package of freebies and ebooks and videos for anyone who orders the cookbook, you can go to homesteadcookbook.com and check out. Uh, all the details and see inside and sneak peek and all that good stuff. Okay, I'll definitely have that in the show notes for folks to check out. And uh, yeah, that's great stuff. I really appreciate it. And uh, and I know you're uh, you're probably still uh, uh, kind of recovering from that big launch last week and yeah. <laughs> coming off an adrenaline rush and yet exhausted all at the same yes. time, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lots of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. So it was great having you on. I'm so glad you decided to come on here and then talk just a little bit about all the things you're doing and, and, and all the stuff you will be doing. So we're really looking forward to all the great things coming out from you. And um, like I said earlier, I'm really looking forward to that cookbook. I think it's going to be some great stuff. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'll let you get back to your uh, your recovery. So. Nap might be in order. So, yes, 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 I understand. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that was some great stuff from Jill. I know you like that. Uh, but I want to take a few minutes and just tell you about why I think that uh, homestead cooking from scratch or heritage cooking, as you might want to call it, is such a big deal. I mean, a lot of people might wonder, is there really a great benefit from cooking from scratch or from you know cooking in the way that Jill is teaching and talking about? And I just want to give you a few of what I feel like are the reasons or the benefits um, that I believe it's a really, really important homestead skill and one that we should all uh, probably be trying to acquire. And I, I won't say you'll ever perfect it unless you're maybe like Gordon Ramsay or somebody, but uh, you know, we should get good at it. It should be a skill. It should be one of them skills that we're trying to build for life. And, and the reasons behind that, first of all, just for healthy eating. For me, this was the number one reason to cook from scratch. Uh, it's important to know what you're putting in your body. And when you buy prepackaged food, the reality is you just don't know. It, that, you know, food that comes in boxes, bags, and cans usually has a kind of a smorgasbord of things in it for flavor, color, and, and preservation. And a lot of that stuff in, in large amounts just isn't good for you. It's none of it's good for you, but in large amounts, it can actually cause you some harm. So that's, to me, that's the number one reason. Now, another reason, though, is for better taste. We mentioned this, you know, I talked about a couple of these things with Jill, but I believe that. You know, sometimes you don't realize just how good something is when you cook it from scratch. And, you know, it actually, you might even go through a process where your palate has to adjust a little bit 
because you're so used to prepackaged foods that you just don't truly understand uh, the flavors of things. And it takes a while maybe to kind of really get the appreciation uh, of food that's, you know, raised in your backyard or even bought organically and then cooked in your kitchen from scratch and how much different and better it tastes. Um, also, you know, it can be cheaper. Um, it's definitely cheaper than than trying to eat healthy from the grocery store by buying like prepackaged organic or health foods um, that those can be really expensive, even though they are probably better than than the stuff that isn't that way. But if you buy the stuff and you cook it from scratch, you buy things in bulk, things like that. It's a whole lot cheaper than than buying organic and definitely cheaper than eating takeout and convenience dishes all the time. Uh, so it, it can save you money. It doesn't save you money in every area, but it, it can save you money if you do it right. And I believe it just revives lost and dying skills. Cooking from scratch, sadly, is becoming a lost skill in most families. And and I know I'm only really one generation from, removed from it. And there's still a lot of things I just didn't know how to do, you know, when I started growing my own food. So I think it's just really important that we revive these, these lost and dying skills. And then we pass them down to our children and grandchildren to continue it on, you know, for future generations. I also believe it's a great act of self-sufficiency. Listen, when you're able to prepare your food from start to finish, you demonstrate a really powerful model of resourcefulness, and it puts you in a position of supplying your own needs. That's that's self-sufficiency, you know, and when you can do that, you are becoming more self-sufficient. Um, and I also think a big one, it, it, this turned into a big one for me after I started doing it, but... I believe that it supports ethical choices. When you decide what you're putting into the meal you're preparing, you get to make those ethical choices about not supporting uh, unethical practices when it comes to raising animals, spraying chemicals, things like unfair trade, things like questionable agrarian labor practices, because these are all issues. You know, these are all issues you might care about even. And instead of, you know, buying things that support these things, you can choose to support local businesses that practice uh, ethical standards that you yourself believe in. So it puts you in charge of, of making those and supporting those ethical uh, choices. And I also believe it promotes less waste. Cooking from scratch produces a lot less trash because everything you're buying isn't coming wrapped in plastic or put in a bag or a box or a can. And this in return means a lifestyle of less waste, which is better for the planet and the lives of future generations. You know, we really experienced this in our household. We, we were, I bet you there was days where we were taking out two bags of trash a day because we had so much, you know, just just the, the byproduct of buying things in like that from the grocery store is just all this trash. And then when we start cooking a lot more from scratch, that goes way down. You don't, don't take out the trash as much. So you start realizing that, wow, there's a lot of trash being produced. I also think it's that uh, cooking from scratch is really good for family and friend relationships. If you're married and you have children or single, you know, and you have roommates or, you know, whatever, just if you're around people and you're gathering in the kitchen to prepare a meal and, and then you sit down and you eat that meal together, it can be one of the best things you can do together. I mean, breaking bread at home with friends and family really helps you relax, rejuvenate, reconnect, and it just, it tends to promote this kind of environment, which is why I really like it. You know, I grew up in a house where, I mean, even if we were eating fast food, we gathered around a table to eat it. I mean, we didn't go eat in front of the TV. We didn't, you know, we, we just didn't separate. We gathered together. If there was only one time of the day where we all got together, it was a meal time. And uh, so it, it really, it does promote that. 
I also believe it promotes emotional balance. Now, this one might come off a little strange or sound a little woo-woo to you, but there's really something emotional or even spiritually satisfying uh, about the entire process of growing or buying ingredients, gathering them together, and engaging with your food as you put your meal together and as you sit down to eat it. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to explain. It's something that if you've never experienced it, maybe it just sounds really strange to you. But I can tell you, especially when you take it from seed to you know growing something, to harvesting it, to bringing it in your kitchen, to preparing that meal and sitting down and looking at the table and everything there is stuff that you know, you worked for, you've done, you grew it or you raised it, or maybe even bought it from some, you know, local, you know, uh, a farmer that, you know, raises things in a way ethically, the way you would want them raised. And then you sit down and prepare that meal and then sit down with your family to eat it. There's something, you know, emotionally strong about that. There really is. And, and, you know, maybe some people would debate with me on that, but I feel like that. I mean, it makes me feel good and it, you know, so I mean, there's just, that's, that to me is a benefit of it. So there's a few of the reasons that I think cooking from scratch is so important and, and, and why you should take the time to learn it, why you should gather up cookbooks like Jill's take courses like Jill's course. And you know, there's others out there. There's a lot of great people putting out things and, but whatever it takes for you to learn those skills and, and develop and hone them to where you can take fresh organic food, prepare it into a very tasty meal, sit down and enjoy it with your family. I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a great skill to have as a homesteader and it's one we all ought to be working on. So I just wanted to throw that in at the end because I, I know we didn't get into that a lot, but that's, it's important to me. It's, it's just something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about and I wasn't at one point, but now I am. So it, it's something that's made an impact on me in the last couple of years. Um, of course, I'm going to have the resources uh, from uh, this conversation with uh, Jill, her website. I'll have a link to her website, theprairiehomestead.com. And I'll have a link to her Heritage Cooking Crash Course and her cookbook if you want to check that out. So I you know, I definitely want you to go check that out and support Jill and all the great things she's doing. From that, let's just jump into our Homestead Recipe of the Week. Today's recipe actually comes from our last podcast episode guest, uh, Alyssa Olson. She sent in a recipe for fermented lemonade. And now I had never had fermented lemonade. Well, I still haven't had fermented lemonade. I, I, you know, I got this recipe a couple weeks ago from her. Still haven't tried it yet, but boy, it sounds great because, you know, we're all so used to that, you know, that sugary, you know, Tastes good lemonade, but it really isn't doesn't do anything for your health other than just hydrate you. Uh, but fermented lemonade would have some, of course, health benefits. Uh, so um, Alyssa has a great recipe for this. So let's uh, let's hear what she has to say. Take it away, Alyssa. Hello, my name is Alyssa Olson, the owner of The Sheep Shed. You can find me at www.thesheepshedmn.com or on Facebook at The Sheep Shed. Um, today I want to explain how to make fermented lemonade. Fermented lemonade is full of probiotics, which is good for your gut health, your overall health. Um, it's a little bit more family friendly than kombucha, in my opinion. My two-year-old and four-year-old love the flavor of the fermented lemonade. Um, plus it's faster to brew than, than, or than kombucha. You can drink this as you would normal lemonade, mix it in some iced tea, or mix it with a juice. Um, before I get into this recipe, I want to explain how to extract or just explain what whey is and then also explain what a second ferment is. So whey is extracted from yogurt. 
um, in a super easy process, takes very little effort. It basically extracts the probiotics out of the yogurt and um, is used in many lacto-fermenting recipes. Um, if you want a detailed description of how to do this, you can find it on my blog, thesheepshedmn.com. Um, the post is Fermenting 101. You may also do a quick Google search of how to make whey. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was second ferment. Um, if you're not familiar with fermenting, some recipes call for a second ferment. Um, this isn't always necessary in this lemonade recipe. It is also not necessary, um, but you can use it to add carbonation to your lemonade as well as adding flavor to your lemonade. I typically do a second ferment because I like carbonation and I like to add a little bit of flavor variations. Okay, for this recipe, this makes about a gallon, so you need one gallon glass jar, and I like to do to transfer this to swing top bottles for storage in my fridge, so you also need that. You For in the ingredients, you will need two pounds of lemons, juiced, three-quarter cup raw unbleached sugar, one cup of whey, water. If you are doing second ferment, you will need a little bit more unbleached sugar and then whatever flavors you are adding. For the instructions, mix the lemon juice, sugar, and whey in the glass jar. Then you will add the water to the mixture until the total mixture is about one gallon. Cover this loosely, place it in a dark room, and let it sit for 48 hours. Next, you will transfer the lemonade to swing top bottles. I like to use a coffee filter during this process. It just gives it a little bit of a smoother texture, um, gets rid of any pulp or seeds or fermentation, just kind of gives it a little bit different texture as well. So it just gets rid of any of that texture. Um, if you are doing a single ferment, you may place your lemonade in the fridge. It is done. If you are doing a second ferment, Add one tablespoon of raw sugar to each bottle and any other flavor that you would like to add. I typically add strawberries, blueberries, or I usually have rhubarb syrup that I've made on hand. I like to add that as well. Um, but go ahead and play around, experiment with flavors. Once you've added that to your bottles, cover them and place them in a dark room for another 48 hours. At this point, your Lemonade is done. Put it in the fridge. Enjoy. Um, once it's in the fridge, it should last up to three months. Uh, it is important that you refrigerate your lemonade and don't let it sit on the counter for long periods of time. Um, it can turn to alcohol. Um, so you just want to be careful and mindful of keeping it in the refrigerator. I'm interested to see what other people have experimenting with this recipe, what flavors you like. Um, if you do it a little bit differently than I do, go ahead and find me on Facebook, The Sheep Shed, um, and let me know, or on my website, thesheepshedmn.com. I would love to hear what you guys are doing. Thank you so much, and enjoy. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm I'm eager to try that. I, I, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for not uh, whipping up a batch of it already. Uh, if you want to send in your favorite homestead recipe and Trust me, folks, we, we need all we can get. I, I love playing these on the podcast. I think they're really beneficial. I have another one that's already come in that I want to play on the next episode, but I'm going to need some more. So if you want to send in your favorite homestead recipe, uh, just send in an audio recording, and, uh, and here's how you might do that. Uh, 
you might just use your cell phone. Uh, they usually have a recording app on them installed that you could use. And you'll just say, you know, this is so-and-so. And if you have a website or Facebook page or a homestead name, you can share that. And just, you know, if there's a recipe you like and you want to share, uh, here it is, you know, and just just give it to us. And um, try to keep the recording between one and five minutes. It doesn't have to be perfect. We don't do perfect around here, folks. You know that. <laughs> when you're done recording and you're satisfied with how it sounds, just email it to me at sthomestead at gmail.com, and I'll uh, add it to a future episode. And again, if you have a website or a Facebook page for your homestead, I'd love, you know, I'd, I'd love to add a link in the show notes to whatever you have, so I'll put that in. And, of course, all this information is in the show notes, so if you can go back there and look at it if you want to know how to send one in. Uh, I don't have a question this week for the podcast. I probably have some I could have dug up, but I didn't, uh, I didn't go and look. Uh, but if you have a question for the podcast, you can send in your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com. I'd be happy to answer it on the podcast if I haven't answered it in the email already. And I just thank you for joining me, folks. You know, uh, this podcast uh, is here because of folks who join our Homestead Forum membership community. And by the way, you can learn more about that by clicking on membership at smalltownhomestead.com there in the menu. And, uh, you know, we appreciate those who use our affiliate link and shop through Amazon, uh, those who share the podcast with others. You know, this thing grows and gets bigger every week uh, because of folks like you who are sharing this podcast with others. And we're really thankful for the companies and individuals who partner with with us for advertising, sponsorship, and those who support our membership by offering discounts to our members of our membership. So we really appreciate those companies that do that. The show notes for this episode can be found at uh, smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 118 for episode 118. And I want to share this uh, quote with you from uh, Wendell Berry. Uh, He says, odd as I am sure it will appear to some. I can think of no better form of personal involvement in the cure of the environment than that of gardening. A person who is growing a garden, if he is growing it organically, is improving a piece of the world. He is producing something to eat, which makes him somewhat independent of the grocery business. But he is also enlarging for himself the meaning of food and the pleasure of eating. Thanks for joining me today, folks. Happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.